Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. As I mentioned earlier in the week, we met many people from across Israel. We also went, we spent the day last week, Sunday in the south, in the Gaza envelope. We went to Kfar Aza, we went to Be'eri, we went to the site of the Nova Music Festival. It was probably one of the most difficult days that I have experienced. And if it was difficult for me last week, Sunday, well, can you imagine what it must have been like for people living in the area on October the 7th? We went to a kibbutz called Kibbutz Nir Am. Uh, They are in the area maybe two or three kilometers from the Gaza border. Uh, we'll, uh, We'll check my facts in just a moment. And there we met a number of members of the kibbutz. One of them was Chen Reich. Uh, he told us his story. We went into his home and uh, he told us, he showed us where, where his safe room is and told us what happened on this day. I was enormously, enormously impressed by Chen. I thought his his. Uh, the way in which he described the story, the the events of the day moved me tremendously. And I wanted to him to be able to share his story with you as well. Chen, a very, very good morning to you. Thank you for joining us. How are you? Good morning, Howard. Thank you for having me. So let's just, uh, to, to provide some context, where is Kibbutz Niram? Well, uh, Kibbutz Niram is located, as you said, on the north uh, part of the Gaza envelope, as we call it. Uh, it's uh, approximately 1.5, uh, kilometers uh, from the first houses of a town called Bet Hanun, which is already in the Gaza border. In Gaza. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And a very peaceful, uh, lovely place uh, right next to the city of Sderot. Okay, so so describe the events of that day. It's uh, Shabbat morning, it's Imchat Torah, it's early in the morning, you and you've got children, you, your wife, and, yes. and your children? I got three, uh, six and a half years old, four and a half years old, and one year old, Itama. Um So on that Shabbat, uh, 6.30 a.m. in the morning, uh, as you mentioned, Simchat Torah, we woke up to the sirens. Uh, uh, myself and my wife Hila, we ran to, uh, immediately ran to the safe room alongside with our uh, infant Itamar, and uh, we're pretty much used to it. Howard, uh, it happens once in a while, but this Shabbat uh, something was uh, very off. Uh, it was like fifteen twenty minutes, uh, non-stopping sirens, and and you hear rockets falling and. It was really something out of the ordinary. So I told my wife, Hila, listen, something something is off. Uh, I'm going to grab my phone. Uh, I'm going to grab your phone, some water, some things to, to, to the baby. Immediately when I went out of the safe room, you hear gunshots all over the place. Mm. And I immediately realized something is, uh, is Very off. Very wrong, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I got dressed. Uh, when I came back to the safe room, uh, so uh, my wife saw me, already, saw me already dressed, and I wear shoes and everything. She asked me what's going on. I told her, "Listen, I'm I'm, I'm pretty sure we need to go out. I'm part of the um, 
emergency squad unit. Uh, I was uh, in the army. I was uh, an infantry soldier. Uh, I was uh, in special forces. So I knew that they would need my skills. So uh, I'm telling her, listen, go to the safe room, lock yourself. Uh, I'm going to lock the house. Uh, don't open it uh, to anyone unless it's me. Uh, she got really scared, but uh, I'm telling her, listen, I got it. Don't worry. Um, and we're, <laughs> we're splitting. Um, just when I went outside of my my house door, I, I live right right on the west uh, fence of the kibbutz. Like mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. is the first house if you come from the west uh, oh. side, which is the Gaza, Gaza Strip. Side. Mm. Yes, so uh, I'm walking. Uh, I'm walking out of the door, and then I understand it's even worse than I imagine. All the area is like filled with smoke. Uh, you hear gunshots all over the place. I'm starting to run, like, looking outside the road, uh, see that nobody's there, running towards the next tree house or, or the or the tree lines, and then, uh, like, in bulks, uh, I'm reaching the armory. I so, so at this stage, what, what are you armed with at this stage? Nothing, nothing. It's just uh, bare hands. I have nothing on me. Uh, and this was, the armory. this was the, the, the decision of all the kibbutzim to remove, to keep the all weapons in the armory, not on, on, not in the homes. Yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, sadly, a, a terrible we're a decision. Bit naive. Mm, mm. Yeah, we're a bit naive. Uh, you have to realize uh, that people were more afraid that someone will steal the weapon from inside your house rather than you need to protect yourself. Um, uh, we ran to the armory, we opened it, uh, we started to get uh, the weapons, to get the munition, uh, got dressed, uh, put all the gear, and uh, we were about 10, uh, 11 guys, so we split uh, two to each side of the kibbutz, like west, east, north, south, and uh, myself and another two members, um, we walked around, we closed all the gates uh, that were still open, uh, we got the uh, comm devices so we can communicate. Mm-hmm. There was no electricity, by the way. I forgot to mention electricity went down immediately. Uh, um, a lot of uh, like bad cellular reception. There's no way to communicate. Mm-hmm. And, and again, uh, once once we got out and, and we start getting some of my friends, have friends living in Kfaraza, friends living in uh, Beri. My parents live in Alumim, which is between uh, Kfaraza to Beri. Uh, people started getting messages and we started realizing how bad the situation is. But still, in our kibbutz, nothing happens uh, yet. And about an hour later, it started, like, they started storming the kibbutz one time from the south fence. And pretty much, Howard, since then, we are able to push them off uh, um, to the, from the west side. And, and again, just to, to describe the, the audience, my wife is sitting on probably the house which is closest to the rear gate, <laughs> to the west gate. Um, and I'm actually, uh, I find myself in a situation where I'm standing where I'm standing on the rooftop like two houses away and just uh, fighting terrorists. Uh, we managed to kill three of them right on the kibbutz uh, fence and managed to push, push off the rest of them. This was about 10 a.m. At this point, uh, I, I look at my phone and I see my wife is texting, uh, I'm having a panic attack, you must come and help, I, I don't know if I can do it. Yeah, yeah. 
So uh, my brother lives right next to me. I knock on his door. He opens it. I explain him, you know, a few sentences what happened. And luckily for me, my brother is a real hero. He says, of course, I'll come with you. We're running, imagine yourself between the houses, between the bullets, uh, uh, grab my old kids, two of them. We run again to his house, come back, uh, take my wife and my uh, baby and, and our dog. <laughs> um, and from that point on, uh, once I knew she was safe, uh, relatively mm -hmm. with my brother, for me, it was a you tremendous could, relief. Yeah, you could put that aside. Oh, although it yeah. was just the, yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah exactly. And, and from that point on, I, I, I went back uh, almost 20 years uh, back and I became again, a soldier. soldier. Yeah. How many yeah, terrorists were, were coming towards the kibbutz during this day? All in all, all in all, all over the day was about between 30 to 40. Mm. Uh, mm. So pretty much most of the time we were outnumbered. Uh, at around the 11.15 a.m., which is about four hours later, uh, first uh, police border patrol came, uh, reinforcement. Luckily for us, uh, they came to our aid uh, because at that point uh, we faced roughly between 20 to 30 guys. Again, we were only 11 guys total and on the west side were seven guys. So uh, we were pretty much outnumbered. Uh, they had a lot more ammunition. Than what I was going to ask you, what, what were they equipped with? What's the, uh, you know, the, often when, uh, we, we, when we think of it, and, and one of my concerns about this is we speak about it like a terror attack. So we think, okay, they, were, they had some arms, but mm -hmm. to me, after experience going there, I feel like this was a, an invasion, not a terror attack. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right, Howard. Uh, it's my bad terminology because no, 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 it's not, it's, not, it's not yours. It's everybody's. It's 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 being spoken exactly about right. like the terror attacks. This was an invasion, and we so need to call it what I it must, was. I must share. Mm. I, I must share with the audience. I was again. I was a combat soldier. Mm. Um, we were heavily outnumbered and out immune. Like uh, they had. Uh, rocket launchers they had grenades they came with a van full of ammunition it was supposed to last for a week or something like that and when i when i woke up the first in the morning and and like with the first four or five guys uh, terrorist guys came and we managed to kill them so i thought to myself okay uh, mm. it was a small oh, terrorist terror group group done lo mm. lo lo lost between the the way but all of a sudden, you understand exactly as you say, they were well-equipped, well-armed, they had a goal. And, and sadly for us, this goal was not to, uh, to break any siege or to demonstrate. They wanted to kill Jews, the way I see it. The way I see it, they were, their entire purpose was to terrorize us. You know, the definition of terror is like to use violence and, and, and that kind of uh, things. On, on on population on a civil population to put fear in the people's heart so that that's exactly their aim was mm. and um, again really luckily for us we were a bunch of uh, great guys uh, uh, managed to push them off until reinforcement came uh, luckily for us reinforcement came relatively early again yeah I was going to ask you about about that because at uh, Kfar Aza um, a part of the problem was that that reinforcement didn't come and and uh, Be'eri was was exactly the same thing which was a huge huge problem that there just wasn't <laughs> yeah. there wasn't reinforcement 
Uh, yeah, and and you have to understand, even when reinforcement came, uh, it, it's very hard. It's it's a chaotic place. It's a chaotic situation. And and really, luckily for us, not just myself, but we were a bunch of guys that was real trained. Uh, I, for myself, uh, I was injured in the Second Lebanon War. I have a lot of combat uh, soldier experience. I think we knew how to get the reinforcement and and to point to point the reinforcement to the right direction. And, and, and unfortunately, I know for in in some other places, even when reinforcement came, mm-hmm. there was no one even to point them at, at some point. So the, at some places there was reinforcement, but they didn't know where to went or where to go. And uh, yeah, again, we got lucky. We need to be honest. We got lucky because we were managed. We managed to get to the armory before they came. In well, well, that's yeah. So, so in Kfaraza, just to explain to our listeners, what happened was because people weren't armed, they had to get to the armory in order to retrieve their weapons. The terrorists knew that, and they had the armory surrounded. And basically, what they did was waited for the guys to go running to the armory, and they mowed them down. It was it was pretty much a killing field outside of the armory. In this case. Um, thank God the guys were able to get to the armory and as a result of that I think there were a number of factors also having seen the the terrain there you are in a we're in a position there where by standing on the roofs you had a very good line of sight exactly. which I think also uh, which I'm sure also yes, assists exactly. Yeah. exactly how exactly. is your the, the terrain yeah uh, how is your wife and and family? How are other people on the kibbutz? No, has anybody moved back? Um, so people are starting to move back these days. My brother came back now with uh, two of his kids. Um, a few families are doing that, uh, but uh, to be honest, majority of families are not um, back yet. I think it's not the. Uh, luckily for us, uh, they, they weren't able to to penetrate our kibbutz, so the houses, uh, so to speak, were not damaged. Mm. But uh, I think the sense of security got really damaged uh, to part oh, of the people. I know no, my wife of is no part doubt. of these people. Mm, mm. Um, How can you blame But him? we're working, actually, uh, after this interview today, for the first time, I'm going to drive with my wife and my kids. We're going to visit our home. Uh, be be there today just for the day um to we get need them, to, to normalize to, again to normalize the fact them. that it's my it's our home okay, and i want to uh, we are running out of time but i just want to yeah. read a couple of messages gavin listening in from israel says good morning howard please tell Ken he's an absolute hero wow I am in awe, um, in awe of the these people. And uh, Dina says, Chen, yeah, uh, she was part of the group that uh, that came to the kibbutz. It was an honor and a privilege to have met you. You put your life on the line for your family and for the people of Israel. For us as Jews outside Israel, you're a hero, and we salute you, love Dina. So that is, and and of course the other amazing thing that the is that the South African Jewish community is actually 
adopting uh, NIRAM and uh, KKL Jewish Agency uh, JNF are going to be uh, helping to rebuild uh, helping the evacuees in the shorter term uh, because as as we've mentioned they are not able uh, that are not able to be many many people living in hotels which is is is, is very is very frightening uh, and before I let you go the your story is one of with a thank God a positive ending uh, you there are many people around that don't have the same um, this the same experience unfortunately what is next? How do you help people? You've got an incredibly positive, forward-thinking way. How do you help to rebuild the the trust and the positivity? Um, so, first of all, uh, I know that in a lot of other kibbutzes and also in Iran, we're going to, first of all, establish a much more stronger and, and bigger uh, emergency squad unit mm-hmm. in order for us not to be... Uh, we we will help. We will be able to to withstand for a lot more than what we did in this uh, October seventh. So that's I think the first part. Uh, ensuring the guys, the other uh, kibbutz members, listen. For now, we got it covered. Second is to put the trust in the hearts of people that this place is ours and the real victory over Hamas. To my humble opinion, would be to live again in those settlements. Their, their entire agenda was to kick us out of there. So our pure victory as, as, the, as the people who live there is just to come back. And, and it will take us uh, a while, but I have no doubt in my heart that it will happen. And I think once our enemies will understand that, uh, they will know that uh, we won. Uh, I have no doubt that uh, it, we will prevail and, and we will uh, live there. Uh, and... That's I, I think in in my eyes that's that's what needs to be done and and I think people needs just a, a bit more time to digest and and you know how it is once people will start come back I see here today mm-hmm. I'm going to the kibbutz people Absolutely. are starting to come back Absolutely. and to believe uh, you know they need to to see uh, a tiny bright light in the darkness and they will follow this light in order to to go Perfect. there so. Absolutely incredible. That is unfortunately where we do need to leave it. Genrach, thank you. A member of uh, Kibbutz at near, um, I had the privilege of meeting him, to hearing his story, and I needed him to share it with you.